0: Good morning, everyone. I'm Pastor Mark. This is the Pillar of Truth. That's what we call it. So uh we are in a series called Toxin, where we are are looking uh at, at toxins as a metaphor for sin. Uh things that can get into our system that can uh weaken us and eventually uh perhaps spiritually. Kill us. Last week we looked at toxic silence when uh, being silent is a sin, and uh, today we're going to be looking at toxic friends. And uh, it's only uh, a matter of coincidence that my very good friend Mark Duvall is out from California uh, on on this Sunday, and. Uh, but I like to joke, I'd like to thank him for flying uh, thousands of miles to be a sermon illustration today. <laughs> so, so uh, and then after uh, next week, we're going to look at toxic uh, family, then toxic food, then toxic calendar, and then look at our toxic nature, just our, our sin nature. So it's going to be hopefully a really uh, productive and, and helpful series. Now, today, talking about toxic friends, this is a really hard one to really determine when somebody who's a friend, not family, but a friend in your life has actually become toxic. It's something that's probably one of the most painful things outside of death that, that you'll experience or divorce is just… Is, is, having a friend that you realize is not good for you and is actually poisoning your spirit. I've had two toxic friends in my life. Uh, I had one in California and I've actually had one here in Tallahassee. And both relationships were very difficult that that it's hard to think about them uh, because you think about them in a sense of loss you think about them in the sense of what could I have done differently, but ultimately realizing that toxicity of, of those relationships, that there was no, um, they were beyond the point of, uh, just salvation or, or being healed, uh, Friendship in the biblical sense, in what uh, in the sense that the friends that God has envisioned you to have, those who come around and breathe words of life into you, friends. (laughs) Excuse me, that that make you better than you would be uh, by yourself. The kind of friends that can speak truth to you in a way that nobody else can. The kinds of friends that, that will motivate you to new heights. That, that we see friendships like this uh, illustrated in Scripture. But a toxic friend uh, uh, is where there's no balance, where, where they take more than they give. That there isn't a healthy balance of give and take. There isn't a mutual respect. One of the most beautiful friendships in in Scripture is between uh, Jonathan, who was the son of King Saul, and David, the guy with the sling and taking out the giant, uh, who eventually became king. Those two men. Now, in the context, Jonathan was the son of the the king. So he had every right to be jealous just like Saul was, but instead they became knit together, they became bonded together for friends for life. If you open up your Bibles to 1 Samuel verse 18, we're going to first look at verses 1 through 4. And this is when David and Jonathan first meet. After David had finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son. There was an immediate bond between them, and I highlighted bond, for Jonathan loved David. From that day on, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. And Jonathan made a solemn pact, and I highlighted solemn pact with David, because he loved him As he loved himself, Jonathan sealed the pact by taking off his robe and giving it to David together with his tunic sword, bow, and belt. And that's a very symbolic thing. Anointing, essentially. Samuel had anointed David as the future king. And Jonathan, his friend, was coming and saying, like, I'm heir apparent, but I am making right now a bond with you as a friend. Now, what happens when you bond something? Like you get your super glue, right? And you, you you know, put it together and it makes two things, basically one, right? That they're bond together. And to separate those, that bond can cause a lot of damage. So, Here, the first thing is when we're entering into friendships, when we're entering into the ideal for uh, a biblical relationship, we're like, you know what? We need to enter into these friendships very carefully. That when we bond ourselves with another human being, that either not only in marriage, but in our friendships, that. Todd Chesum, who started E3 with me, came, came out from, from Tallahassee and uh, just had the privilege of doing ministry with him for, for many, many years. I used to always tell him that we were knit together in ministry. And this idea that we were bonded together and now that we serve in different places, but our time together was very, very important. He's not one of my toxic friends, by the way. If Todd, if you're listening, you're not, you're great, we're good. So, uh, so you have this bond, and then in Jonathan's case, he and, and David, they made this commitment to one another. Now, commitment is not really a word that, that is taken with, with uh, a lot of probably the weight that it deserves in the 21st century, that we make our commitments very lightly, but that's not what a commitment is. A commitment in marriage, a commitment in friendship is, is a, this solemn pact, and we're talking about a healthy biblical kind of version of, uh, uh, of, of friendship, a commitment with a friend, saying, you know what, I realize things are going to be difficult in the future but I commit to to moving through those difficulties that life will put in front of us. And I commit to you that I will be at your side. And so this is kind of the picture of what Jonathan and David, that they're bonding together and they're committing one another to each other to move through very difficult circumstances. Well, it didn't take long in chapter 19 verses 1 through 5, that things got very rocky between David and Saul. Saul now urged his servants and his son Jonathan to assassinate David. Okay, this is the king. Saying, servants and my son Jonathan, I want you to kill David. So, great Adversity, if you could imagine yourself in this situation. But Jonathan, because of his strong affection for David, told him what his father was planning. Tomorrow morning, he warned him, you must find a hiding place out in the fields. I'll ask my father to go out there with me and I'll talk to him about you. Then I'll tell you everything I can find out. Verse 4, the next morning, Jonathan spoke with his father about David, saying many good things about him. The king must not sin against his servant David, Jonathan said. He has never done anything to harm you. He has always helped you in any way he could. But you have forgotten about the time he risked his life to kill the Philistine giant, And how the Lord brought a great victory to all Israel as a result. You were certainly happy then. Why should you murder an innocent man like David? There is no reason at all for it. So you have this this strong kind of sense of what a biblical friend also looks like. And that is a strong advocate for the person that you have bonded with and you have made a commitment to. An advocate in the the face of great adversity. I've been blessed to have a friend um, in in the past, and uh, his his name is uh, Brian. He used to lead worship with me. Obviously, that's not him, that's Mark. Uh, And he was always a strong advocate for me, to a fault if it's possible. I remember one example. He would always be advocating for me because, you know, planning churches and doing different things that, that people have questions and, and, and people get upset for different reasons and everything. He, he was always, he would stand up for me, stand up for me. And one day, I just kind of happened to be walking through where he's being an advocate for me. Some people are like, why, you know, why are we doing this? And why is Mark doing that? And blah, 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 blah. And he's sitting there and I, I kind of hear it. And I, I decided to walk over just to engage. And I could see that it was getting kind of passionate. And as, I, and as I listened and they started to direct, you know, their comments to me and everything, I, I realized that they were right. They had a very good point, and we needed to change direction. My friend Brian did not realize this. (laughs) Brian continued to be an advocate, and and, and going on and on to the point where I, I literally, I put my hand on his shoulder. I said, Brian, thank you. I love you, but we are totally in the wrong on this one. Thank you for being my advocate, but... At some point, you just got to say, man, we're dead wrong here. We got to change course. And, you know, I wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, it was just, it's beautiful to have a friend who is willing to be your advocate even when things are hard, even when you're wrong. You know, it's nice to know that they're not out like saying like, oh yeah, you're doing a good job. And then the next first person that they see, they're all like, yeah, I don't know what he's thinking. That guy's crazy, that guy's power hungry, that guy, you know, you know, you know, to have some, that's not what a biblical friend does. That, you know, that the having a strong advocate where you know without a shadow of a doubt that person has your back. Because they believe in you and they trust you and they've bonded with you and they have a commitment with you. So there are signs that you have a toxic friend, that you are in a relationship that is not healthy. And we get a clue to what to do when, um, in Scripture from, in Deuteronomy chapter 13. In verse 6, suppose someone secretly entices you, even your brother, your son or daughter, your beloved wife or your closest friend, and says, let's go worship other gods gods that neither you nor your ancestors have known. They might suggest that you worship the gods of the people who live nearby or who come from the ends of the earth. Okay, so this is a very, you know, this Old Testament, this is very specific, talking about worshiping other gods, but you can really input anything here, anything that is against the perfect vision that God has for your life. So, trying to entice you into that. This is what Scripture says, this is very Old Testament, so don't freak out. But do not give in or listen. Have no pity and do not spare or protect them. You must put them to death. Strike the first blow yourself and then all the people must join in. Okay. Hellfire brimstone, I get it. Old Covenant stuff. Let's new covenant a little bit, let's get in the 21st century, because there is a principle here uh, that's a little less violent. And this idea that, you know, when you're in a relationship and somebody's leading you away from, from God and behavior or actions or attitudes, that you need to take initiative and, and to say no. And sometimes you have to put that friendship Metaphysically speaking, metaphorically speaking, to death. So, there's, let me suggest that there's seven signs that, of a toxic friend. The first one is that they have an unhealthy reliance on you, okay? This is not uh, a person who's like, hey, you know, I need some help bringing some wood over to my house because you have a truck. You know, that's not an unhealthy rel- uh, al- uh, reliance. This is something that, that somebody's calling you at, at 2 a.m. because their their goldfish seems a little sick. Or, uh, or you know, there's just they're always needing some financial help, or they're always needing emotional help, or they're always, you know, in a crisis. You know what I'm talking about here? That 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 you are the person, the go-to person, and and it's there's no give and take. It's it's all take because they're always in crisis. The second one is. You dread seeing them, <laughs> and/or you're relieved when they leave. This is a very good sign that you have a toxic friend. <laughs> Believe me, I, I've I've had two friends in my life where it's not that obvious when you're in it, and you you sit there like, "What? Why?" You know, and you're going like, "Wow, why do I dread seeing this person?" or you know, when they leave, you say, "Thank God, you know you know it, you burst into instant prayer, right? Thank you God." The third one is, you're in constant conflict with them now this not might not be like real housewives of Orange County or something like that kind of conflict. This can be very subtle conflict. You know what I'm talking about where where it's just like there's something wrong, there's, something, there, there's a little nitpicking here, you're not doing something, there's this, this undercurrent of conflict. It can be, you know, explosive and great for reality TV, but also it can be very a, a strong undercurrent of conflict. Um, I got this proverb, it's just too good uh, not to share, and I was going to share it regardless of what I talked about today, so, <laughs> but it kind of works, so... Proverbs 26, 18 and 19. This is so good. I love it. Just as damaging as a madman shooting a deadly weapon is someone who lies to you, to a friend, and then says, I was only joking. I just love it. A friend that is bringing conflict and lying to you and then just saying they're joking is as dangerous as a madman with a deadly weapon. Could God be any clearer? The answer is no. It's great. Number four, their words are like termites to your soul. Right? There are are some things that are said that are like a dagger to your heart and kill you dead instantly. And those are pretty apparent when they happen. But I've had friends, and I've counseled some of you who have had friends that don't dr- don't drive the dagger into the heart, but they are more like termites to your soul. And what usually happens when there's, is you don't notice it at first, and they start just pecking away, and they say little things here and there. And, and feedback that I've gotten from people who've been in relationships with this, it's like, It's really not that big of a deal. Like what they said isn't really that bad. Much like a termite, one termite taking one bite of your wood is not that bad. But left unchecked, lots of little termites and little bites will collapse your home. And this is the same with a toxic friend that their words, them cutting you down or being negative to you about your hopes and your dreams and your calling can collapse the house of your soul. Number five, you're experiencing symptoms. I have had this with one of my toxic friends. I would literally have a headache after meeting with them and I would feel sick, like it was just such a stressful kind of situation that, that at the end of it, I not only spiritually felt drained and emotionally felt drained, but I was physically sick, and for some of you, you you're experiencing this, and maybe a, a, a face or a name is coming to mind that, you know what, oh, I get a headache every time I'm with that person. Or I feel like throwing up every time I'm with this person. You know, I'm, I'm not a smart man, but I'm, I'm going to say maybe there's something there that you should pay attention to. Number six, they reject loving correction. We talked about this last week, right, about how to correct somebody. Now, healthy people are open to correction all right, and especially somebody that you're bonded with and that you're committed to and are an advocate of, that, you know what, in a healthy biblical relationship, that they should be open to correction without freaking out or rejecting you or attacking you. You know you have a toxic friend or you're like, hey, you know, I noticed this attitude or this behavior that you're engaged in, and then they're like... You're one to talk. You know, you, when you did this, 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 and this, you know, and just start to attack you. Have you ever experienced that? When you've lovingly, in, in a correct manner, and privately went and wanted the best for somebody, and they just attack you? Well, that, that's toxic. That healthy friendships, that there, there should be this healthy give and take, like, because we know we're, we have to make allowances for one another's faults. But also, we have to realize and want someone to speak up when we're missing the vision, the, the mark that, that God wants for us to experience, right? One amen. That's all I ask. All right. Thank you. And then seven, which I, I say, personally, this is, this is a death nail to a friendship, is they betray your t- Trust. All things are, are forgivable and you can move back from things, but when you have bonded with somebody and you've committed to them and you have shared most intimate things with them, if they break your trust, especially if they repeatedly break your trust, that is not a true, biblical, healthy friend. So what do you do about it? What if, what if you have, you know, uh, a friend who is toxic in your life that you're like, you know what, you know, if, you know, they're five out of seven or they're seven out of seven. Maybe you're sitting next to somebody and nudge them and go, dude, you're like four out of seven. (laughs) You know, the table's about to turn here, you know, so, you know, what, what do you do? Well, The first thing is you have to recognize it, all right? And take responsibility. Here's a tough truth that sometimes friendships end. We see it in the Bible, we see it where Paul and Barnabas were toxic to each other. And They had to separate and go their own ways. And God was glorified in that. And sometimes it's not one person or it's the other. It's just the two together. Remember happy days? The fawns? Hey, right? Okay. Uh, There was this one episode where all the women of Milwaukee was making the fawns sneeze. Anybody remember this? One two three okay. And they're trying to figure it out. Oh no, the Fonz is allergic to women, right? And it's like you think back like you know, like with our twenty first century kind of looking back at it as like very bizarre kind of scenario here sitcom but so they're trying to figure out why is the fawn sneezing they you know and he they would find like a woman that wouldn't make him sneeze and then later on she would make him sneeze and they try to figure out what they found out was the fawns had a habit every woman he'd hook up with he would give her some perfume all right so, all these women in, in Milwaukee had the same perfume, and he would use a certain kind of cologne. And when that cologne and that perfume came together, the fawns would sneeze. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know it wasn't the perfume it wasn't the cologne but the combination together was toxic to the fonz's nose and sometimes that's just it's just truthful that 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 two people together they may be healthy people apart but together they are toxic so taking responsibility and saying you know what i should not, I should not allow, and God would not want me to allow someone to prevent me from being, living out the life that He's envisioned for me in a friendship. That, that if somebody has become toxic and is, and is holding me back, that, that, you know what, and I go through and talk with them and do all the things, there might be a point where you're like, you have to separate. Set boundaries. If you have a true, healthy, biblical friend, that doesn't mean that they can call you at any time of night. It doesn't mean that they can just stop by and eat all your pudding and then leave. That you can set boundaries. You can sell them. "Look." Unless it's emergency, and you out of pudding is not an emergency, don't call me after nine o'clock. This is what healthy people do all the time. We say, here's my boundaries, and if you care about me, you will respect my boundaries. And so he says, no, I'm not going to respect your boundary. Pooh No. No. Uh, <laughs> Scratch that, edit that out. Uh, you know, you know that there's somebody in your life that that perhaps is not in a healthy enough place to to them being your closest one of your closest friends. This next one is is tough because you don't want to end up in gossip or anything like that, but get counsel. For somebody who doesn't have a dog in the fight, maybe knows you both, but but not necessarily uh you know, somebody who is older and wiser, somebody that you can share with in a way that's not gossip, but, but like, hey, these are things that I'm feeling. Are these right? I feel like I can't go to this person and, and have this conversation. Sometimes we just need that little extra um, boost. And, but again, proceed with caution with this. But I would say, you know, if you don't feel like you can go to your friend, then maybe they're not a friend anyway. Suggest professional help, sometimes your friend is cray cray <laughs> you know uh, you love them but but you know uh, you're like, hey, you know, so sometimes you know you just you're like, you need professional help my uh toxic friend in California. I went to them. I got to this point with them, and, and, and they were recovering addicts, and, and they, there was just lots of things that they just, you know, just hadn't developed and, and needed to deal with. And I, and I told them, I said, you know, you're just, you're abusive. You're abusive to me. You're abusive to people around you. And, and I told him, I commit to you. I will walk through this with you, but for us to go forward together, you need to get professional help. And I'd like to say that it went really well and everything, but he ended up attacking me and saying a lot of nasty things about me and, and, you know, you need professional help, you know, that kind of of thing. And I'm like, I know I need professional help, you know, tell you, but and i think actually at that time i was seeing counseling or at a, going to a counselor and it's like yeah yeah i'm not perfect either but i really feel for that you you know that you need to and it it came to a really bad place and then finally and this is the the last thing is sometimes you have to end the friendship and this is like death and i think back on these two Friends, and I, I can honestly tell you, this has been a hard week. I'm just thinking about it. And I'm like, what could I have done differently? You know, uh, I feel like a failure. I let them down. I just gave up on them. You know, and I, you know, kept on going back and it's just like, yeah, there was no way forward. And it was time that the friendship ended. And I don't take that lightly. I mean, I don't have a whole lot of friends. And... The ones, obviously, you know, Mark Duvall's here, you know, the, the, the ones I do have, I keep. And I take it very, very seriously. And sometimes friendships have to end. I want to finish with uh, this one proverb. I think it sums up what a biblical healthy friendship looks like. It's found in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. As iron sharpens iron so a friend sharpens a friend. Iron sharpens iron. Think about that. You know, it's not like how butter and cream squishes together. No, iron sharpens iron. Think about that, that imagery that, that, you know, that this, this idea. is rough, right? It's not smooth. It's not smooth like butter. It's rough. And, 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 and heat happens, right? And, and parts of that iron get shaved off to become sharp. And this is what friends do. That that it's not always butter and cream. Sometimes, or it should be like iron on iron, just scraping and scraping and scraping off the unnecessary and sharpening each other to be everything that God has envisioned you guys to be. Will you pray with me?